Hey, welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm Sal Interdonado here with my co-host Steve Anderson. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a world-class consulting firm that trains employees in sports psychology secrets that drastically improve work performance. Founder is Dr. Joe Ross. Joe Ross was an Army fullback. He was an Army fullback's coach, and he is an Army officer, and we thank Higher Echelon for sponsoring this podcast. Steve, we got on one of the uh, recent uh, Army football legends here tonight. We have on Kel Walker. Kel, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Hey, thank you for having me. I was wondering when Sal was going to get me on this show, man. <laughs> <laughs> thank we're going to have me. we're going to have a lot of uh, fun here tonight. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Kel's how Kel got to his journey to West Point, his career. Uh, we're going to talk a little Army Air Force rivalry. That game is Saturday. Steve, the Commander in Chief's trophy is on the line. You know, it, it right now the Army's uh, reeling three straight losses. It's time to write the ship, and this is the perfect day to do a uh, perfect game to do it. We'll get to that, but first, let's uh, let's hear a little bit about Kel. I, I always want. I think I probably talked to you. You know, you were one of the more engaging guys that I talked to on the beat, right? You probably at, sometimes got sick of me, kind of probably asking you questions at times, right? Um, but um, it see it seems like you had a really interesting story on how you got to West Point. Um, maybe you could fill us in on that. And then we'll and then we'll talk a little bit about your career. Yeah, um, so I was originally born in Rockford, Illinois, about forty-five minutes uh, south of Madison, Wisconsin, forty-five minutes north of Chicago, Illinois. Um, you know, it's a typical story. Uh, born in a fortunate situation, and I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and um, I actually didn't start playing football until I was actually in ninth grade in high school. One of my brothers, a uh, guy that I looked up to, I called him my brother. Um, because he was a, a huge mentor and influence on my life. So one of the guys I looked up to, he actually was playing football. He was supposed to go D1 and do these big things, but, you know, life kind of took a toll on him. So I, I actually emulated how he played football, and I decided to try it out. Um, my high school coach gave me a chance, and um, I did okay uh, for the first two years. And I felt like my junior year, that's when I really started to break out my shell and started to become a running back and be comfortable in the pads and in my own skin. So – uh, right around that time, I played um, Coach Davis, Brent Davis's alma mater. I think I rushed for a couple hundred yards against them, had a couple hundred, a couple touchdowns against them, and um, West Point took a liking into me. Um, unfortunately, like a lot of athletes, uh, my test scores wasn't up to par, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, sometimes we need a second chance to get our test scores up to par. So I went straight to the prep school. I did okay at the prep school. Um, uh, I try to make my mark at the prep school and try to leave a mark there. And I think Coach Munkin and, and the whole office of staff took a liking to me, and they gave me a chance going into camp of my first um, plebe year, actually. Yeah, Kel, that's uh, you know, I think it's interesting. You say you didn't play football in ninth grade. You know, one of the most famous running backs of all time didn't start football until he was in ninth grade, and his name was Walter Payton. So, uh, you know, my my son started flag this year, and I. Couldn't, I couldn't help as much as I want, but, uh, you know, when you play so young, you develop bad habits because if you're an athlete, it's just see ball go. You don't work on right. footwork. You don't work on keys. It's just – so uh, I, I kind of agree, uh, you know, with playing football a little bit later. Not like super young. Like my son is – you know, he was five, six years old, uh, but definitely a little older. But right. back, to, back to your story, Kel, about going to the prep school. So – yeah, I mean, I didn't have good test scores either. I had a good GPA. I didn't test real well, so I went to the prep school as well. But 
that's how army redshirts, man. That's how we compete, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It actually is. It's not. It's even better than a redshirt because it doesn't cost us any eligibility. So right. it actually, um, for guys that don't know the military's for them, um, you know, it actually doesn't hurt them at all. It doesn't start their clock. It's just another prep school. So plus, I, I mean, I really needed a kill. I don't know how much you felt you needed it versus you know academically versus physically, but like overall maturity um you know physically mentally emotionally spiritually like i thought the prep school was exactly what i needed at that point um to help prepare me not only to go to west point but you know i i wanted to be a player you know right. like, i didn't just yeah. want to go and you know i didn't even know what west point when i got recruited Kel, they told me i was gonna make a hundred thousand dollars when i graduated right? <laughs> I heard that, yeah <laughs> so yeah um but that's really cool. Uh, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a you guy as well. You know, we always say you smaps. I don't know if that still went around. Yes, sir. There, Kel. So, um, but that's cool. How, how did you, how did you like playing at the prep school? Now, Kel, were you at, was it at West Point when you were there or were you before that? Oh, it was at West Point okay. when I was there. Yeah. yeah. So I graduated high school in 2015, May of 2015. Yeah, that's right. I think June or July, I went straight into prep school. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time. Um, you know, coming in, I was kind of cocky and arrogant, kind of felt like I, I, I deserved to be there. Yeah. And I, it showed on the field. You know, as competitors, we, we got to know our competitive ability and, and where we are as, as far as athletes. And I felt like I deserved to be there. Um, as far as off the field, um, you know, I, I was struggling a little bit about should I be here? Do I deserve to be here? Or, I, you know, I just don't want to be here. The Army just had a distaste for the Army. I had a distaste for everything that was going on, which is natural, right? Because, you know, we come in, we, we come to these schools, especially Army and these academy schools, and we have no idea what we're going we're gonna to get hit with. So I kind of hit a brick wall, and I kind of had a come-to-moment um, with myself. It was just like, do I deserve to be here? Or should I be here? And once I embraced it, I, I fully embraced it. You know, um, I enjoy playing at the prep school. It was also we, we call it a JUCO year. That's what we yeah. call it. You know, JUCO year. We played some of the we played some of the best JUCOs in uh, the yep. nation, like Lackawanna College, and we played against some of the top performers in the nation as far as athleticism and um, yeah, just athleticism. So it was a good experience for me. I got to bond with some of the guys around me as well in that locker room that um, I never thought I'd be able to bond with, and that translated to my plebe year yuck year, cow year, all the way to first year, even to this day. Actually, one of my guys, I went to prep school um, now, his name is Zach Potter. He just texted me today, asked me if I was coming to his wedding. So it built relationships that I was going to, you know, that I wanted for life. So playing at the prep school was a tremendous uh, blessing for me because I honestly developed my ability to play against some of the top performers in the nation. So Yeah, we did. Well, you know, you learn the system. And you create yeah. the core group of guys that yeah. are going to change things at West Point, right? Right, uh, right. At that point, you guys were still trying to change it, you know? Yeah. We were still, yeah. you know, we always said bring, you know, bring it back. That was our saying because we ain't won in forever, you know, my senior year. So we bring yeah. it back. But you learn the system, you know, you got the core group of guys that are going to lead you, you know. And that's what that's what ultimately brought me back every year, right? Because, Kel, I don't know about you, but. Every year, right? Uh, yeah, I'm leaving after this year, man. I can't yeah. stay. Like, I, uh, I, I think this is my last year, man. And then you look yeah. around and you're like, dude, I, I fucking love these guys, man. Like, these are my yeah. boys. You, you know, you can't, you can't leave them. And that's what all yeah. would happen. Um, 
you know, Ben Kawika, uh, you know, huge Army football supporter in the program, director of player personnel now. You know, me and him had to sit down and talk about the brotherhood uh, yeah. when, I, when I thought about heading out of there after prep school. And it was about the brotherhood, man. So that's what it will always be about. And that's why the biggest thing about recruiting for us is we got to get athletes there, right? Kel, we got to right. get you there. Whatever, whatever we need to do to get you there, we got to get you there because we know – Every 18-year-old, 17-year-old that dominates high school football always believe they're going pro, right? right. Don't see yeah. anything else. We're going right. pro, all right? Yeah, Roger that. Yeah, I'll get my degree, you know, whatever. But we're all going to go pro, all of us, right? Every right. single one of us that dominates is going to go pro. Um, and just hearing your story, right? Like, you went to an alma mater of Coach Davis's, and then, boom, right? You got the offer. And now mm-hmm. we got you there. And then you saw it. So kind of talk to us. So mine didn't happen until later, until I was a sophomore, where I, like, had to start committing, where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm done with the, the mind gains of I'm going to leave, I'm going to go somewhere else. Mine was a little later, to be honest. But, you know, Cal, I had a, I had a couple trips along the way. You know, prep school, I got in trouble. Freshman year, I got in trouble. Yeah. Uh, um, so talk about what that mindset change was and what – how it changed you and how it changed the way you led as a, as a peer and as an underclassman. Right. So, I mean, you know, coming, coming straight from high school, going in straight to the prep school and you doing, you know, the, the prep school of beast bags, the small trial of beast bags, the small trial of adversity. It was kind of hard. It was, it was a hard adjustment for me because I never really experienced the army or any, I've never simulated an army coach before that. You know, I just been assimilated to team culture and building teams around me. And I didn't realize that I was doing that my whole life. So it was kind of hard for me not realizing that going into the prep school. But, you know, the, the true challenge came after the prep school when I was going through Beast Barracks because I felt like I already, I already arrived. I already did my thing at prep school. I already rushed for this amount of yards. I won athlete of the year for yeah. prep school, I should already have good graces with the West Point community. And what I didn't realize, I needed to earn that. I needed to earn that respect from not only, you know, the Army community, West Point community, the Army fans, but I need to earn that respect from my peers as well. So coming through there, through Beast Barracks, I just feel like I had to embrace the moment and I had to um, help everybody around me and, and coach everybody around me and also learn from everybody around me. So, but also playing football, um, it was a lot of trials and tribulations. I was one of those guys who didn't assimilate very well coming to coming into West Point. You know, I had made a lot of mistakes um, throughout my years. Four four years I've been at the academy, I made a lot of mistakes, and I'm the first to admit that. You know, those mistakes doesn't they don't define you. It's how you bounce back from, and I always persevere. And um, the special part about it is my guys, my peers, my friends, my coaches around me. They always lifted me up and told me that I could do better. So they pushed me to do better, and and ultimately I, you know, I got to the destination where I felt like I could do better, and I belonged there. So, um, what allowed me to lead and and be a great peer in my senior season was the trials and tribulations I went through the three years prior to that. You know, um, the mistakes I made, the mistakes that I've seen my leaders uh, make while I was coming up through the program, and how I wanted to lead. I didn't. I let the slot back group, I feel like, I say two years. Um, a lot of people say one year, but I say two years. Um, from junior year to senior year, I let that slot back room, um, allowing those guys to make mistakes, but also teaching them moments where, okay, what are you going to do with this mistake? Are you going to soak in misery? Are you going to learn from it and get better and show the coaches that you can actually play on the field? 
So, and I feel like that's where I left my mark. I should always told the guys the truth. I always told them that, you know, we're better than any program in the nation. And I believe that wholeheartedly. So that's how I was able to lead as uh, as a as a firsty uh, playing slot back, and I was be able to able to be a, a great peer. I was also competitive. A lot of people underestimate competitiveness. They mistake it for arrogantness or cockiness. But I mistake you know I, I always say that to be a great competitor, you have to have those traits because you have to tell the person the, on the other side of the ball, you you're not better than me. I'm better than you. Yeah. You know. So when we do a CIC. And period 23 or period 18, and we doing CIC with full pass, I'm always tell that linebacker, that cornerback, that safety, I'm better than you, and we're going to go out there and compete. So I think me giving it 100% and being a competitor, um, not only for myself on my side of the ball, but for the other side of the ball, I think that brought a lot of leadership out, leadership out of myself. Yeah, the um, you know, I, one thing that I think was a huge change from – Basically, from how I saw the seniors and juniors lead to where when I come was like, you know, every play there was accountability, right? If you missed a block, if you missed an assignment, if your keys were wrong, not only was I going to hold you accountable after that play, but when we watch film, like, you're going to get held accountable again. Right? We roasting you. We roasting yeah. you. Like, I and the sky don't lie, Kel. Right? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. and the sky don't lie. The, no. um... The, the, the other cool thing that I thought you talked about there was, you know, using what you learned, you know, your three years and not just kind of being like, all right, it's my time. Like, I know how to lead. Like, you use what you saw, good, bad, and indifferent to, to kind of shape the leader you are. And, you know, I always, I always thought, you know, as an infantry officer, as a combat arms, arms officer, football prepared me to be a leader more than really any, any class, any, uh, you know, Pretty close to, you know, that football and ranger school is what, you know, helped me become uh, a, a better leader. So just being on a team, right, mm-hmm. having a goal, having a mission, right. We had right. workouts. I had workout with my platoon. I had workouts with my company. Um, so I just thought that football has a really, really easy parallel to, yeah. to the going in the Army. So, the, so, so Kel, tell me about – the the culture from you know basically you you said you went to prep school in 15 year right yep yep so your freshman year was the 2016 season mm-hmm. right which was yep. a big year yep right that was where basically you saw what is expected from there on out yeah so talk about the pressure of the team coming back the next year and kind of like what you felt you know now that the the you know, the curse or the, the streak or whatever you want to call it was broken. Um, kind of talk about how you guys approach that all season specifically and then how you kind of built off that each year and going into your junior and then into your senior year. Okay. Um, well, I have to talk about the 2016 season a little bit in preseason in order for me to talk about so forth. You yeah. know, coming in, coming in uh, at the prep school, coming into my plebe year, it was kind of like um, a standard was already set. Like I said, I told Sal earlier, like those guys already had the recipe. They were just missing something. They were missing, they were missing, I, I feel like they were missing a key part of their offense and defense to actually bring them together to become a competitive team. And I feel like my class, you know, my class did that. We had a gang of freshmen who started as freshmen. Yeah. You know, we had a gang of people who started as freshmen who can incorporate into that offense with defense. So, I mean, I realized the culture was set for us. 
um, from that moment and and so forth throughout my whole career when we were in camp and I had just got pulled up to uh, you know play with the big guys um, and I was going for a pitch. The quarterback didn't pitch it, but Jeremy Tim laid me out, flatlined me. I mean, like, he played me. He really did play me. I was in the air for about 30 seconds. I was in the air for 30 seconds. I felt my body hovering over my soul. I just, you know, I felt my soul hovering over my body. Uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me. But that from that moment on, I knew that, you know, this was a different team. This is a different team than I saw when I was at prep school, a 2-10 team. This is a different team. We're going to make a difference this time. You know, and I don't – I still – to this day, I still don't know if Coach Munkin told him to do that, but that's something I can need to ask Coach Munkin in the future. He told Jeremy <laughs> Tim to do that. But um, that was awakening for me. I, I realized that this is real deal. This is college football, you know. And um, so going in 2000 – we did our thing in 2016. We we broke the streak. Uh, unfortunately, we uh, fell to Air Force that year at home. But um, we were determined to, to next year we're going to come back. It was get back for us. So um, nice. going into that 2017 season, we had great guys. We just had great guys who've been there during a losing streak, who've been there at 2-10, and 10, who also seen the glory of being 10-3, 10-4, whatever whatever our season was that 2016 season. So that was that was fortunate for us. We had Amar Bradshaw. We had um, we had guys like Ackerman. We had you know we had great leaders. You know what I mean? That just took us under our took us under their wing and just told us, you know, it's different from what we experienced last time. I had games where I was I was so heated. I was a high head back then, in 2017. I was a young. I felt like I said I was arrogant. I was a high head back then, and the ball would pull me in. Like calm down. Just I'm gonna pitch you the ball next next play and get a first down. You know what I mean? I had leaders like that tell me, calm down, refocus, let's go. Let's get the first down. Let's win this game. Let's keep going. And the Kelvin Hopkins of the world. There would never be a Kelvin Hopkins without Amar Bradshaw, you know what I mean? Because Amar Bradshaw was so influential on our offense that he left that mark for Kelvin Hopkins, and Kelvin Hopkins grabbed it around with it and made it his own. And that's how Kelvin Hopkins became a great leader. And he was his own person and also propelled us into the future that way too. So, you know, we just had great leaders. We just had great people around us who could relate to us, who could empathize with us, and who could be there with us through the trenches. We all know triple option is the trenches offense. You know what I mean? Especially for slot backs. We're doing everybody's job, and we need to know everybody's job, you know? So we had great people just in the trenches with us, and they just, from Amar Bradshaw to Kelvin Hopkins to Christian Anderson, even my senior year, you know, we had we just had great leaders. Yeah, yeah, I want yeah. to talk about the uh, Air Force, that Air Force game that year, right, 2017, mm-hmm. where you guys go there and completely shut them down, 21 nothing. And I was, we were talking before Kel about how, yeah, the defense gets a lot of credit for that win, right? Mm-hmm. But you were able to put, you were able to get into the end zone twice in that game. And yeah. I know Ahmad had a huge rushing game that day, yeah, and that yeah. was a day that really kind of, I think that kind of. You didn't shock Air Force, but that was a statement game, no doubt, that you went in there, you closed them out, you shut them down. And I just want what, – what do you remember the most about maybe that game once the final whistle is blown or maybe during that game? Did you had just – had you beat them down enough to where they just – it was over pretty early? Because it seemed like you guys really had the upper hand in that game most of the time. Right. Well, well going into that game, we knew we had to make a statement. Um there was some words being said, and I don't want to disclose it on the podcast, but, you know, we can tolerate Navy. Like I always say, we can tolerate Navy, but we cannot tolerate Air Force. That's just something – that's a rival game that we cannot tolerate. 
Um, those guys, they're a great team. Pass off to Coach Calhoun and, and that team, but we just can't tolerate those guys. So going in there, we had to make a statement. We had to let them know that we're the better at academy out there too. So, um, you know, I remember drinking a bunch of beet juice before the game, and I remember Amar throwing up on the sideline, and he still came back like a warrior. So shout out to Amar Bradshaw for that. I'm just throwing that joke in there. But um, pass off to the defense. The defense did a tremendous job, but on the offensive side, you know, it was guys like Brent Toff and, you know, our whole old line and our Darnell Wolfolk, who we just had this determination in our eyes, determination in our soul that we were going to shut these guys out and that we were going to score as much points as we can without, you know, without any repercussion. We were going to do as much damage as we could. And Air Force's crowd is going crazy. They're, they're cussing us out. You know, they're doing all this type of stuff. They're holding up signs. And I just remember Ahmad setting a precedence. Ahmad and Darnell Wolfolk setting a precedence of our running game early. And that allowed me to do my thing as far as, um, as, far as running ball. And I remember when I got my chance, I was going to leave my mark. So if you remember, if anybody remembers, after the first touchdown, I did a little dance and I looked at the crowd and I said, this is for y'all, you know, because I want to leave my mark and we all want to leave our mark. And I think that 21 goose egg left a mark. Um, so, um, yeah, Kel, the, uh, you know, obviously, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a defensive minded guy, but I'll never mm-hmm. forget, you know, my uh, was it sophomore year. It was sophomore freshman year. It was right after a, right. A, a bad game, and we had 96 plays on defense. Right. We, we had 96 plays, right? Right. I remember a game after my senior year. I only played 47 plays. Right. And I remember after that game, we had a great – we had a, a – you know, I think the team only scored like seven or, or ten points or something. Mm-hmm. You know, defense is all – Hooting and hollering, you know, I'm all excited. I'm telling everybody, like, yeah, see this day, nobody can score on us. I right. got the stat sheet. It's like our offense had the ball for like 40 minutes, right? right. And that's when uh, when Trent Steelman told me, it's like, yeah, you can't give up a lot of points when you only play 20 minutes of the game. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. That's I just what remember, I'm saying. I just remember thinking, like, you know, shit, yeah, he's right. Like, we didn't play that much, but. It just you know it's the you know the the best you know the best triple option offense is a great defense as well so kind of goes back right. to that where the twenty one nothing I don't obviously don't have the stats in front of me but I can imagine a twenty one nothing game against Air Force uh, probably wasn't a lot of defensive plays and a good game game control uh, from the Army Black Knights as well. Yeah, I mean the defense, um, Eli Riley. A lot of people don't know this, but. You know, that was a game where Elijah Riley, he plays for the Eagles now, he came back off of, uh, you know, off-field issue, and he came back, and he just uh, honestly destroyed and dominated the whole game. Kenneth Brinson, James Gibson, even our president, you know, Mr. President Ryan England, the whole defense just came back and destroyed. They just dominated the whole game. It was one of those games where the defense had to set a precedence as well. They had to make a statement, and they did that. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I think Coach Munkin was talking about this on his radio show this week, Kel. I think you had really – that offense, that game had five drives. Like there yeah. were two drives at the end of half that he didn't count, but he had five drives that game, Steve. The offense was on the yeah. field that long where they just drove the ball. They were on the five long drives, and three resulted in touchdowns, and that was enough. That was a, 
That'll go down the books, man. That game will go down the books. I mean, you got to put that Street Buster Navy, Kel, right? You were involved right. in. 21 Goose Egg at Air Force you were involved in. Those two have got to be some of the, as far as most influential, important wins in Army history recently. Yeah. Those are right. Those are there. Those are the one and two, I think. Yeah. So. Kel, I can't, I can't uh, agree more about. Yeah. Well, we will tolerate Navy. We'll do the Navy game. Yeah. We're all good with them. But, you know, I cannot stand Air Force. Oh, my oh, God. I cannot stand Air Force. You know, not, not to mention, you know, uh, you know, it was like fourth and 37 at Air Force, and they decided to throw a bomb and get first and goal, and then I tore my ACL the very next play. So, like, I, oh, man. I'm even I'm even more salty than the, the regular, you know, Army yeah. player. You know? It's all good because we took care of we took care of them right. for you, man. We took yeah. care of them for you. Uh, Cal, you know, I was, I was including prep school, I was 0 9 against Air Force and Navy. Yeah, so you can imagine what I live with on a, on a daily basis, you know. But or terror, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just uh, but it got you know, and you don't necessarily remember it as much, uh, or you don't notice it, um, as a player because you're so focused on the week to week and you get a- emails and you get love from everybody, you know, but you truly don't understand how important army winning is to the brotherhood out here and just West point grads. I mean, Kel, it's a party every weekend, everywhere around army posts. And, uh, you know, you know, now you live it. Now you either get together with the boys, you're talking with the boys or, or we're on the slack, right. You know, we're talking on the slack app about the game. Um, and then you, you know, the occasional, you know, we won't, we won't hear it as much anymore, but, you know, when we played, you know, the occasional guy from Afghanistan getting an email from him was just like, dude, you yeah. watched the game? It was like 2 o'clock in the morning there. And they're like, yeah, man, like, of course I watched the game. It's right. like my highlight of every week. Yeah. Um, so it's another cool part that, you know, I know playing at all the big Power 5 schools is awesome, right? They've got a great following. But, like, it's just something different about playing on Saturdays at Mikey or with the Army football team that people just don't really understand. Uh, right. So it's really, um, you know, it's really special. And that's something we were competing for, though. That's something we was competing. We were competing for our respect against yeah. the college football community. You know, what I mean, that's and I think that's a huge part of why we did why we did uh, well, and why we're so successful, and why we continue to be successful throughout the years. Because, you know, a lot of teams they schedule Army for a homecoming. Or, you know, they schedule the Army for, like, some miscellaneous uh, alumni game or whatever. Military but, um, appreciation. Military, military appreciation. appreciation or something like that. But they don't realize that, like, these boys here at Army, at, on the Hudson, on the banks of the Hudson, they have something to play for and fight for just as much as the next person. Sometimes it may not be the league and go farther, but it's about the brotherhood at the end of the day. And the brotherhood is a core group amongst players, oftentimes amongst coaches, but mostly amongst players that – I'm willing to lay down my life, bleed, sweat, and cry for the next man, uh, to the man next to me, for our quarterback, for our center, for our defensive end, for our DB. Like we're we're really able and and ready to lay down our lives for the next person because football is a contact sport, and we really go all out for the for our brother. So a lot of people don't realize that, but I think um, over the years they've they've uh, they've realized it, that Army is a force to be reckoned with. So yeah, the uh. You know, it's my first and only time I've been uh, stationed at Colorado Springs out here at Fort Carson, yeah. of course. 
I'm only going to be here a year, but of course, uh, the one year I'm here, you know, we're playing, they're playing the game in Arlington and not at the Air Force yeah. Academy. I think the Air Force Academy's home this year too, right? Yeah, they're home yeah, this so year. Like it been, yeah, they're the home team. They're the home team. Yeah, so they're the home team in Arlington. Uh, so we would have been able to go to the game. And I would have loved for my, my boys to experience that. But um, yeah. the um, – so, so, Cal, so, right, you got the, the CICs coming up this week. Um, you know, thoughts on, you know, where, where we're at right now um, as a team and, and what, what, what you kind of hope slash think you're going to see uh, on Saturday. So, I mean, we're coming off a three-game losing streak right now. Um, I, you know, I kind of told one of our, uh, my other brothers who graduated from Army, played football with me, I said, this is part of the season where a lot of the players are going to question leadership. You know, we're on a three-game losing streak. You know I mean? We're going to question each other. We're going to question each other's ability. We're going to question leadership. And I said, but this buffer week between Air Force and, 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 the, and the last game we played, uh, Wake Forest, it's going to allow us to regroup. It's going to allow us to refocus, kind of love on each other, and kind of fix some of the problems that we did. We saw that stupid mistakes and penalties can cost us any game. It doesn't matter if it's Air Force, Wake Forest, Wisconsin, any other team. Stupid mistakes and stupid penalties can cost us any game. Um, so I think we're strong right now. I think we're stronger than ever. I think we're better than ever. I think we're at a point where we're refocused, we regrouped, um, we're about to make a statement with this game, and I think the guys are fully capable of becoming, you know, a winning the CIC this this year and owning it and dominating for theirs. I think that I believe in the coaches. I think the coaches are refocused and regrouping as well. Leadership is always from the top down. Sometimes it's bottom up, um, but top down when you talk, start at Coach Munkin, I think he's refocusing. He's regrouping. He's talking to his staff, and his staff is talking to the players. What can we do better? Let's fix these mistakes that we made two weeks ago, and let's go into the game with a clear head, clear mind, clear focus, and let's dominate. So I think the guys are going to do a tremendous job. I expect Tyrell Robinson to get the ball a little bit more this week um, because he's one of the most explosive players our offense has ever seen in the last decade. You're talking about explosiveness, talent. He's one of the most explosive players. And I think our whole slot back group is the most explosive players on our offense. I think uh, Tyrell Robinson, uh, Brandon Walters, uh, Raheem Murphy, uh, Beryl Howard, even down to some of the guys that don't even see uh, see time. I think all those guys are explosive. I expect them to, to be incorporated in the game a little bit more this week. You know uh, what? I think um, – I think uh, sorry for – a guy who – hasn't gotten the playing time yet this year is Ajon Marshall, right? And he right. saw some he saw some snaps at the end of the the game against uh, Wake Forest. Now though, Brahim Murphy didn't play toward the end of um Wake Forest. I, I don't know if he got banged up a little bit, but maybe there might be a guy, Kel, that just comes out out of the blue that just that Air Force is not prepared for. And everything I've heard about Ajon Marshall has been he's almost he's probably almost as good as Tyrell Robinson. So um we we'll see. We'll see what Army's going to need something extra, right, in this game offensively. I think we're going to need. Please get the ball to Isaiah Alston too. Please, please, please throw the football. Yeah, yeah. Please think, throw the football. Yeah. I, I, I gotta say that, Steve. We talked about this the Wake Forest, and I watched it again. The replay. When you're down by 14 against a team like Wake Forest, and you continue to run triple option and have Isaiah Alston out there. In that drive, I think, where they coughed the ball up on the mesh, they didn't throw the ball once. Throw the football. Get Tyrell involved. We repeat this 
It's a. I'm sorry. That, that's an interruption, Kel. I interrupted your podcast oh, you on that. You know? <laughs> I mean, but, no, I agree. It's just look. Um, you know, we always say that the the bread and butter is the the quarterback, fullback. You know, that connection there is the bread bread and butter of the triple option. It is, but look, no one can argue that when we get the ball on the outside, we are hard to stop. When we yeah. when we pitch the ball and our guys turn the corner. Well, hard to stop because that opens up the the fake option, you know, where he, he pulls back and, and passes, right, where the slot back just takes off down the seam. You have that that opens up, right? You got linebackers trying to get out to the pitch more because now our pitch backs, our slot backs are killing us, right, which mm-hmm. opens up the fullback guy, the, the fullback dive, and, and the QB follow. Um, we're just so – and, Kel, I, you know, I don't know. We've had some really good slot backs in the past 10 years. Um, but I agree, man. Like these slotbacks, when they get the pitch and they get, they have five five yards of room. Like they're hitting it and getting it, and they're yeah. they're, they're downhill. Um, right. And it's it's really awesome to watch. It's, it's just at the same time frustrating when, um, you know. And look, I've never been triple option quarterback. I'm not even gonna pretend to think I know the first thing about reading and when to pitch and when not to pitch and when to take and whatever. I'm not even gonna, but. You know, it, you know, as a as a guy that knows football pretty well, it, uh, you know, there's some pitches that could have happened that could have really opened up some things for us. Um, you know, I don't know at this point if you know the multiple quarterback system is helping or hurting. You know, we'll right. we'll wait and see against Air Force um, and see how that goes. But uh, yeah, huge. You know, I think uh, I think Air Force has gotten the the minus three nudge, right? So. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, that all day, so I'm gonna yeah. cash in on this. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I would say, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Cal. Yeah, I was I'm I was cashing in. I would say um, the multiple quarterback system. I think that's working. I think that's working well for us. There's a lot of things. You know, you would never find three players who actually ball the same. You know, the exact same. They emulate each other the exact same. Every player brings something else to the table. Every every player emulates you know, something different uh, and bring something to the table. So I think the quarterbacks that we rotate now, I think they're all doing a tremendous job. I think they all do things differently. I think some has a little bit more ability than others. And I think that about the slot backs as well. I think the slot backs, you know, obviously we have some that's more talented at running the ball, blocking, uh, catching passes, doing things like that. And that's how our offenses run. You know, that's how our offenses run with the A&T back. So as far as Isaiah Austin, I agree with you, Sal. I think he need to get the ball a little bit more. I think we need to throw it up to him and let him go get him be an athlete. Um, but ultimately, we got to trust the coaches. And, and I think this is a player in me. and trust. The, I think it's a player in me, not the fan in me, but the player in me. You know, sometimes we got to trust the coaches and allow them to do their jobs. And Because, you know, they're the experts at the offense. They're the experts they're doing. Coach Monk has been doing this triple option for 20 years. You know what I mean? So, um, and trust that you're going to get the ball to the athletes. But I think this week, I feel it in my bones. This week, we're going to get a ball to the athletes, and we're going to show everything that Army can do. And I think it's going to be a terror for the other teams following Air Force, including yeah, Navy. I, I agree, man. I think this is like the the beginning of the rest of the season, right? I think this is where, right. you know, we go five and three with a stressy yeah. win. The guys, the guys start to feel the juice a little bit, yeah, and we right. start we start running the table. I, I I'm right there with you, man. I, I like. Yeah. I, I think that that's just that that's the feeling I get 
Uh, you know, I'm, I'm breathing in the chair force air out here anyway, so I feel like I'm weaker as I'm, as I'm around this area. I might need to get out of here. I just don't want to see – yeah, I just don't want to see a vanilla offense. I don't want to see a vanilla offense. I don't want to see like fullback dive three times in a row punt. Yeah, I, I don't want to see that on, on on Saturday. I think that you have, like we said, you have to get some guys involved, get everybody involved here, and um, you know the fullbacks. Anthony Atkins is looking pretty good. Hopefully, Steve, like you said, those those pitches and those play actions set up the middle a little bit more. And I don't think it honestly. I don't know a lot of people that are catching Anthony Atkins in the open field. Wake Forest didn't do it last game. And they have right. some pretty good athletes on defense. So I know they, you know, Air Force's defense is highly ranked. Their offense is the number one rushing attack in, in college football. But we know all the, you could throw all those things out the window in this game, right? I mean, you could just throw those things, the rankings and out the window. It's going to be physical. It's going to be, Kel, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I talked to actually Tucker Waugh about this earlier this week, your former uh, uh, coach, yeah. position coach. The physicality of these games is off the charts, right? I mean, you just right. don't see this in college football where all 11 players on each side are playing their, their their damnedest, their hardest. And when that happens, I mean, it's – man, I don't know how you felt after these games, these service right. academy games, but I mean, you, you could speak on how physical these games are, right? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to speak on how I felt or what I was saying during the games because Lord knows that's just up to me and Guy right now on my TVs. But um, it was it – was, during the games, it was just a, a natural hate for the other side. Anybody that we lined up against, it was like they're the enemy. It's time to attack. It's time to suppress, uh, destroy whatever this enemy, and we're going to go home and we're going to celebrate this win. But um, as far as the physicality during the Air Force game, it was always physical. Air Force is a force to be reckoned with, too. I'm not going to talk bad about Air Force's team, the coach Calhoun, what he's done with that team, or, you know, but. As far as as far as far as us playing them, it's always a close game. Besides 2017, obviously, but it's always a close game because we run a similar offense. The Air Force for a reason; they let it fly a little bit more than we do, um, which is natural. You know, um, they're in the Mountain West. They're 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 part of a conference who let it fly a little bit more, and we're independent. We're part of a team. We're part of a group where we run the ball for a living and we make our, our money on the ground. That's the Army. That's what we do in the Army. We make our money on the ground. So it's always physical. It's always going to be a hate for those guys as long as we're in the Army uniform and they're in the Air Force uniform. But at the end of the day, it's about I can hit you as hard as I can. And this is one of the only sports you can do this in besides rugby, with pads, legally. This is the only sports you can do it in. I can hit you as hard as I can, and I'm going to see if you walk away from the end of this play. You can tackle me as hard as you can. And you're going to see if I can walk, stand up and walk up. And our ego and our pride, that, and our, our love for our brothers, that allows us to get up after every play, no matter what injury it is, no matter if it's a broken rib, broken toe, sprained, whatever, we're going to get up and we're going to continue to drive and we're going to shove the ball down your throat every drive, every play. And that's what the Army brings to this game. Now, speaking on the, the game, um, I believe uh, Coach Wall is going to make history this game, right? Make history, my guy. About to make history. Yeah. It's two hundred and forty-third, I think. Um, actually, two thirty-nine, right? Two thirty-nine. And and technically, he did he did break the record against Wake Forest. I I, I talked to him this week about it. Two thirty-seven, Red Blake. They named the field after him at Mike Stadium. I mean, the guy is you know. Yeah. Contrary to popular belief, I wasn't around with Red Blake coach, you know, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, oh, but, yeah. too, man. <laughs> but, but you know, uh, that to, 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 
coaching more games than Red Blake at West Point. I mean, that is incredible. Um, yeah. Kel, maybe you could talk about Tucker really quick. I mean, what an amazing, amazing, great coach, even better person. I mean, just talk to, talk to us a little bit about what it was like having him as a kind of a mentor, so to speak. Well, Coach Wall, I would say this about Coach Tucker Wall. He was one of those guys who actually cared about each player, um, no matter what is off the field or on the field. He honestly cared about your well-being and cared about your development as a player and as a man. And that's all we that's that's all that's more than we can ask for as a player. You know, what I mean, some of us come into college football without fathers, without father figures, such as myself, without father figures and. And he stepped into the play to be somebody I can emulate moving forward throughout my life. So I definitely appreciate him for that. But as far as a coach and coaching me on the field, Tuck, I call him Coach Tuck. Tuck was a guy that he could he could empathize with anybody on the field. You know, he told us straight. Sometimes he had to he sometimes he had to put us in a gray area, and that's every coach because he wanted to see how we respond to some to certain things. But, you know, whenever I would make the wrong move, wrong play, if I leave at the wrong time in our triple option office, he'll always on my tail about it. He'll always talk to me about it in the film room. And he's not afraid to call you out in front of everybody. He's not afraid to call you out in front of everybody. And I think we need that as young players. We need somebody to call us out our BS in front of everybody so we can get right. And the other players around the room, they're, you know, they'll take note of that. So Coach is just a tremendous guy, and he's the epitome of perseverance. And I don't yep. know if, uh, you know, he, there's an article that came about him earlier. He's He was battling Parkinson's disease, but this guy came to work every single day. Never missed a day battling Parkinson's disease, and he's just grinding throughout the whole practice every single day from the, the sunshine in August or actually springtime when we're doing preseason, we're doing spring ball to the snowy weather in December, winters of December, he's he's out there grinding every single day and he's doing his thing. An inspiration, right? An inspiration, no doubt. I mean, uh, yeah, I had a great conversation. If you want to check our YouTube channel at Black Knight Nation, I had a pot. There's a podcast up with Tucker Wall this week talking about, you know, him hit the milestone for him. And also, um, you know, a little bit about the Army – Army Air Force rivalry. He had a he was a little bit more <laughs> diplomatic, let's say, about, yeah. about the Ar- yeah, about the Army yeah. Air Force rivalry than you might be, Kel and yeah. Steve. But um, Kel, before we before we uh, get off here, just um, if, is there? I mean, you had so many good memories, right? As a West Point football player, I mean, there were probably a ton that stand out. Is there one that comes to your mind right off the bat that you can uh, share a story with us about? Oh man, yeah. Um... One game that honestly uh, that plays in my head every single day, honestly, and I, and I don't mean to be dramatic, but it plays in my. I watch this highlights of this game all the time. It was Army Temple, two thousand seventeen. Army Temple, two thousand seventeen. We're backs against the wall, going in the fourth quarter. One minute offense. We put an unexperienced college football player, Kelvin Hopkins, who was my roommate at the time, was my been my roommate throughout my whole Army career at West Point. We were in the same company, D1. Shout out to Ducks. It was an unexperienced Kelvin Hopkins coming to game one minute and made a name for himself and also put Army on his back. He threw the ball. He connected with me a couple times, and he also connected with Jermaine Adams in the back of the end zone. And a lot of people don't understand this about Kelvin. He's so smart and such good of a football player. He threw the ball as early as possible because he knew Jermaine would open up on his back shoulder. So that game stands out to me completely because our defense 
did it did their thing in overtime and they stopped them and we got the field goal and we won the game. And I feel like that was a great team win. And I feel like um that's the epitome of army football. Down to the nail, tooth and nail. We're fighting for every yard, fighting for every score, every touchdown. And at the end of the day, no matter how many casualties we casual we take, how many how many people is hurt, the next man's gonna stand up and we're gonna get it done at the end of the day. So that's the yeah, end. yeah. And then, uh, Kel, just uh, just to close it out here, man. Uh, what what's going on now? What are you doing? And uh, where are you at? And uh, just kind of tell us about what's going on in the yeah. in the in the present day life of uh, Kel Walker. I got you, man. So I graduated December two thousand twenty. Um, I immediately went on med hold for a little bit. I had some medical issues that I need to work out, but uh, ultimately I ended up commissioned around March. Um, I was a little snowbirder for a little bit here at FA Bullock, and now I'm about to finish finish up FA Bullock right here in December. After this, I'm going to 427 FA, second brigade at Fort Bliss. Um, I'm hoping to be an FDO there, not an FSO, but I'm hoping to be an FDO or a platoon leader there, and um, potentially be going to Korea sometime next next year in 2022. So, I mean, my Army career is about to kick off now. I'm, I'm on the tail end of my TRADOC experience, it's been a great experience, but I'm ultimately ready to get out there and start actually firing with my soldiers and shooting rounds with my soldiers and actually working. So, we're grinding. So, you're down at SIL right now? I'm down at Fort SIL right now. All right. And then heading down to, heading down to Bliss even further. I got a, I got a couple buddies down there, so keep me posted um on who your commander is and everything and we'll uh yes, sir. link up and uh kel if you got the opportunity man you know as long as you're good medically just go to ranger school that's my only plug <laughs> <laughs> hey i've been having a debate with some people they've been trying to get me to go ranger pt out here but uh i don't know i'm, I'm thinking about it <laughs> hey, i'm thinking I'm just, about it. hey i'm just saying if you want to i got you <laughs> i got you that's something that's something i may be interested in i don't know i'm gonna look into it hey just can I say this before we get off? Yeah. Um, you know, I just want to say this. Uh, thank you for having me on this show. Um, thank you for allowing me to express my, um, you know, express my opinions about Army football, where I've been and where I am now. But I also want to leave everybody with this for everybody that's watching this National Diabetes Month. So I want to I want to praise those people that I want to lift up the people who's actually living with diabetes right now and know that, that you know, this is this is disease that is that doesn't have to conquer your life and have to conquer you. You can live with it and you can live an exceptional life with it. Um, my twin sister, actually, she has diabetes and since she was nine or 10 years old and she's just been an example for the community for all of us. She's crushing it. She take care of, she take care of herself and she's just living life to the best of her ability. And I just want to let everybody know out there, if you suffer from diabetes, there's technology. Thank God for modern technology. There's technology that you can get into, but I ask that everybody take care of themselves stay healthy, stay safe, and ask the doctor about the steps moving forward. And I want to praise those out there who are strong enough to actually conquer this um, and, and to move forward with, in their life with this. So I wanted to put that out there. Yeah, that's really cool, Kel. Kel, you have a fan. You have a fan here on the, on the, on the, on the chat. This was great. And, uh, Kel, you're a natural at this. We really appreciate um, everything everything you've done in your career and now appreciate you spending time with us today. Steve, what a, this was a great uh, podcast. We really appreciate it. We might have to have Paul back to like give some analysis on Saturday after the army beats air force. Right. I'll, I'll be here, man. I'm being Dallas though. I'm being Dallas. So 
I'm gonna be partying up like an old grad, like we should. Okay, right? okay, maybe we'll hit you. We'll hit you up next week, then. We'll hit you up next week. Right? I'll be here. <laughs> There's gonna be quite the uh the get together around here as well, Cal. So uh, oh yeah, for sure. We'll definitely, sure. We'll definitely try to link up after the game. And you know, yes, now we do know that. Uh, oh, there's five is live. Let's go. Five is live, baby. It's always been live. That's we- uh that OG is Pat Mealy. All right, so let yes, me. Let sir. Sir. You know what? Let's bring let's bring it up real quick. The number five, Cal. Before we go, sure. Steve, you're saying it's Pat Mealy. I remember Pat. Then yeah, Joe Walker, right? Number five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the great Kel Walker, of course, and then we have um, AJ Howard, right? Yeah. Am I missing? And am I missing anybody with the five? Is I think uh, I think Jeremy Trim. Jeremy Trim, yeah, man. Oh Jeremy yeah, Trim. and he was uh, quite the baller as well on the pro style side of things. Yes, sir. Um, he was actually a baller out there. It's yeah. actually crazy about Jeremy yeah, Trimble because hey, you can't. Ain't nobody can just. Ain't anybody can just rock five. All right. Can't everybody rock five? It's it's <laughs> definitely uh it's hereditary. It's handed down to the most special of people. You know what I mean? Right. You actually got people. you got to actually press the right button when you go to the equipment room. You got to know that secret pin in order. Yes, to sir. To you. you know it. So, yeah, it's been awesome, <laughs> yeah. man. All right, it's been good linking up. I'm glad to hear about you know everything working out uh with uh, medically your commission. You're the kind of guy that needs to be in front of soldiers, um, you know, and uh, I look forward to getting to know you more, uh, and we'll definitely get you back on here um, later on. Sounds good, brothers. I, I appreciate you for having me, man. I really do. Like, I really do. Thank you so much. Well, go Army, beat Air Force. Go Army, beat Air Force. All right, brothers. Y'all take care. Later. Thanks.